21, and uh, Laramie, I might ask you, that map that we've been putting up on the board over the last uh, number of weeks we've been together, and we'll be using it once again today for just a, a moment, but John chapter 21, I'd like to read, uh, beginning at verse 1, uh, a number of verses here. Let's just go right to John chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wide showed, him, showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Gal- in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And he answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw fire of coals there, and the fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth to them, and the fish likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. May God add a special blessing and read of his word. Let's just pause for prayer. We begin our time together. Father God, thank you for this day, particularly this morning that we've been able to hear about your work that's being propagated and expanded throughout this planet. Many men and women today and children are hearing of your precious word, the truth. Father, we thank you to hearing about that. Now, Father, as we go to the Word, for us, may you speak to our hearts. May you see us in a new level, in a sense of relationship with you. May it grow closer than it's ever been. Father, we'd ask that we would be taught exclusively by the Holy Spirit using the Word of God. We thank you for those that are here today, and we would ask that you, they, you would bless them and their families. You know their needs better than they do. But, Father, we just humbly bow at your feet, asking you now for these moments before us. Take us where you want us, in Christ's name, amen. As I've said, uh, we've been in Mark for a number of weeks and uh, <clears throat> been going through, ultimately, actually been a number of weeks in going through the last week, the Passion Week, if you will. We've made it as far as Wednesday. It's hard to believe, but we started a, a long time ago, and we're on Wednesday. So there we go. But we're going to take a break today. There was this chapter, chapter 21 of John. I just couldn't get away from it this morning. I woke early, and, and it was just something on my mind. I was thinking about our guests that were going to be here today, and where in the world were we going to go today? What was it that, God, where do you want us to be? Well, John chapter 21 is an interesting place. It's the end of the Gospel of John. A lot of things have happened. We know from our reading that Jesus Christ literally was raised from the dead. The disciples are no longer in mystery about that happening. Now, on the other side, where we are on Wednesday of Passion Week, they did not have a clue what was coming. Now, they talked a lot about love, right? Remember, remember Peter? It would be the next day on Thursday, which we'll get to probably in a couple more weeks. It's crazy how slow it is, really, when you want to really dig in and find things. But Peter literally said, oh, go to the death. 
I am with you all the way, Jesus. You can count on me. And we know that Peter's mouth had the footprint in it all of the time. It must have been shaped like a hoof, right? I mean, like a foot. And it, he put his, mouth, his foot in his mouth so many times, didn't he? And I can't imagine the dismay that he must have been when his Savior, after the third denial, on the night before he was crucified, and his Savior looked at him, what those eyes must have said. And Peter went out and wept bitterly, it says. Well, this same Peter is on task in John chapter 21. He knows that Jesus has risen from the dead. Yes, he's, he knew he was crucified. He knew he was buried. And he's known, this is the third time I read that verse. You heard it. This is the third time that he's approached the, the group of the disciples. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, or to Luke chapter 24, I believe it's verse 34, it speaks of the fact of a meeting that Jesus had one-on-one -on -one with Peter. I think that was pretty intimate. Doesn't, we don't know any more about it, but we know that he met with him directly. So why are they at the Sea of Galilee? Now, you know that, let's just take our, take, we're, now, where are we at on Wednesday of Passion Week? Well, we're in Jerusalem. They've been staying at Bethany. They've been staying at their friend's house two miles away. They've known, you know, remember Martha and Mary and Lazarus, who he raised from the dead. Wow. What kind of a meeting and greeting would have that been? But now, if you listen carefully, you saw in the passage today that in John chapter 21, this is after, so this would be after he would have been risen from the dead. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it tells us that that was a 40-day period. Okay? So somewhere in 40 days, those guys find themselves up at the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. It was named after that really cool Roman guy that was the emperor by the name of Tiberius. So it became Lake Tiberius. Actually, it was the Sea of Galilee. Now, that's an interesting body of water. It was 12 miles long by seven miles wide. It was 650 feet below sea level. That's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Well, that's where they find themselves. And you think, well, why are they there? That's a great question. So let's go back to Matthew. You, if you have your Bibles with you, go back to the book of Matthew for a moment with me and go to chapter 28. They're not there by accident, even though it seems like, it just seems like a rather coincidental thing. Peter, what do you know about him as former life? He was a fisherman, wasn't he? There's seven of the disciples here, if you took time to count. We don't know where four of them are. Well, wait a minute, there's 12. No, Judas, he's gone. He has committed suicide. He is no longer with them. So we have 11 disciples. But it says seven are here. We don't know where the other four are. But let's go to our text now, another portion, Matthew chapter 28, and dive in at verse 10. And I know we're just, you'll have to fill the context in yourself, but it says, then Jesus said on them, verse 10, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Oh, so Jesus sent them to Galilee, but it's even further than that. Go down to verse 16, same chapter, chapter 28 of Matthew. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. That's very, very important. They're in Galilee because Jesus told them to go to Galilee. But did you notice where he said to go that they're not? Did you see, have you ever fished in the mountain or on the mountain? It will not be fruitful. Now, there might be a mountain lake, but they said where? He said, I will meet you on the mountain. Now, it doesn't tell us which one, but somewhere in the Galilee region, there's a mountain that I want you, it's appointed to them to go there. Okay, so they went. Now, if I was going to put up the word love, which, again, my pens are gone, right? 
We'll find one. There's a lot of things that come to mind. Love. We'll just leave that there for a moment. If you were going to ask Peter or any of these seven disciples, do you love Jesus? They would have said, yes, absolutely. In fact, you are the Messiah, the Christos, the Son of the living God. That's what Peter said. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit gave you the answer and it is exactly the right one. That's exactly who I am. Do you love me? Oh, that's later in this chapter, isn't it? Those of you that know John chapter 21. We're not going to get that far today because I promise it would be short today. Er, er, short er. <laughs> At any rate, here they are. They're on a, this is a direct mission that Jesus has asked them. Now, you do know that when we come back to Pentecost, after 40 days, where are they going to be at? Jerusalem. They're going to be back in Jerusalem because that literally is where this meeting, the Feast of Pentecost will take place, and the beginning, that Holy Spirit in mass will come on those believers. Okay? That's in Jerusalem. But right now they're in Galilee. They're in the right place. They're in the wrong spot. Have you ever done that in your life? <laughs> There's a whole lot of oh yeah going on, right? Now the really important part is, did you take the Jonah approach? Now his approach was, God very clearly told him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Noah, I'm sorry, not Noah. Noah, that was... Okay, let's let Jonah, there we go, we got the right guy. Jonah said, you know, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do with that request. He turned around and went 900 miles the opposite direction. How did it work out? Not very well. Not very well. Now, if you would have asked Jonah before he was asked to go to Nineveh, do you love me? By, if God would have asked him, what would he have said? Yes, absolutely. Now, it appears... Their love maybe wasn't real. Why do I say that? Because they didn't obey. That's exactly right. Let's go to John chapter 14 for a moment, and let's look at something. We're going to tie some things together. John, if you're in John, let's go to John chapter 14 for a moment, and let's look at verse 21. Verse 21. <clears throat> Jesus speaking. Actually, verse 15 starts it out more beautifully even. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me... Keep my commandments. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest or show myself to him. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a, man, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Wow. It looks like we can tie some words together now. In other words, we can say that love... Now, this, we're talking about love for God would really mean obedience. Are we okay in saying that? If you say you love God, now Peter said he loved God, correct? He did. Did Peter really love God at that time when he denied him three times? You're, you're struggling, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Because that's where we want to be today. You know what? Each and every one of you and myself, we fail. We fail. We fail. Because way back when, in the Garden of Eden, there was a failure that took place there too. Now, you know what happens when we, if we say we love but we don't obey, what happens to our relationship with God? The fellowship part of it is broken. 
We're still fixed. We're still joined because God's not given up anything that's His that Jesus Christ had paid for. The Holy Spirit has taken permanent residence within you if you've trusted Christ as Savior. That is no one else's territory. Now, you can make bad choices. You can do things like Peter did and to deny Him. And guess what happens to the fellowship? It's the same thing that happens to the fellowship that happened in the Garden of Eden. How would have you liked to have the opportunity before sin was even sin, before Adam and Eve knew anything about anything other than just God and purity and holiness and righteousness in that Garden of Eden, that perfect place to be, and to be walking with God in the afternoon? That's coming, folks. We will get to walk with God in the middle of a, I can't even say an afternoon because I don't think there's time. There's nothing because God is above and beyond and outside of time. We'll just be there in His presence. Praise God. But to know it was sin that destroyed that fellowship that they had with God. Isn't that something? I wonder if he's going to bring me one. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So now we've got something we have, to, we have to tie together now. If we love God, we will obey him. If we don't obey him... Our fellowship is broken. That's why 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if you, He is faithful to forgive your sins if you confess them. Guess what happens? That relation comes back. Did Peter fail? Yeah, he surely did. Have we failed? We surely have. Now, here he is. Now, the interesting part is, um, if you have disobedience, you're going to struggle. Jonah struggled. You cannot come up with any other situation. If you go the wrong way, God will intervene if you are his. That is called chastisement. Jonah, my friends, was chastised. I don't know about you, that is not going in the right direction when you have a storm so violent, so outrageous, that you have seamen that finally just say, someone has really ticked off God. He's sleeping in the bottom of the ship, thinking he's hiding from God. They finally say, you're still asleep? Yeah, in fact, what you can do is fix this problem. Just throw me overboard. And they did. <laughs> Where are you at with Jonah right now? You know, I wish I would have listened to God. Have you ever been there? I knew the right answer, and I chose not to do it. Fruitlessness. Now, it, as you can imagine, as we're, you can see where we're going here, and we've already read the passage, but Peter and the group are supposed to be on the mountain waiting for Jesus. Reminds me of Saul. Remember that story back in 1 Samuel chapter 13? Samuel told him, I'll tell you what, guys, would you just keep your group together about seven days? I've appointed the time, and then I'm going to come, and I'm going to do an offering to God, and then you will go and take off, and God will be with you. And it tells us in the Scripture that seven days later, he ran out of patience. Saul, that is. And he didn't think that Samuel was going to come. So you know what he did? He went ahead and did the offering himself. Guess who showed up just at the end of that? Well, of course you know. God wanted them to just wait. Just wait. Have you ever been in the waiting room? Oh, yeah. We're there now. Waiting room. It's a great place to be, isn't it? And as long as God is there, it's the perfect place to be. It's the perfect place to be. Well, these guys, no doubt, it's obvious that Peter and the crew got tired of waiting on the mountain. I mean, I can't take the scripture and come up with any other conclusion. And you know what? I really think this was a permanent, again, going back to the career. Did they, now, did they know Jesus rose from the dead? Yes. Yes, they did. 
They didn't know for how long he would be with them. In fact, that's a future thing. I'm going to tell you what, this is so amazingly relevant to us today. If you're awake, living in this world today, the sense of the unknown, what is the future going to bring, is so amazingly similar. Is Jesus going to come back? Yes, he is. Absolutely. When? I don't know either. But are we ready? Those disciples were asked to be on the mountain ready for Jesus to come and minister to them. And they said, I give up. And I don't think it was just a fishing trip. How many of you like to fish? Okay, it's not a trick question. Thank you, Alice, for being bold and going. Fishing is nothing wrong with it. This was not just to go out for the afternoon waiting for Jesus. No, I believe they went back to the business they were in before they knew Jesus. Three years previous, the exact same way they came to Jesus, you'll find it in Luke chapter 5. Write it down in your notes. You can read it. But ultimately, they went out and they used Peter's boat for Jesus to get away from the crowd for a moment because they were pressing him into the sea. He finishes teaching and he says, guys, I want you to be fishers of men. And they just watched what this had taken place. They, they had a haul of fish that you wouldn't be able to believe. They were sold. And you know what? They left all of that behind to be fishers of men. How in the world do you catch men? For, how do you catch them? Well, they knew how to catch fish. They thought, look back at our test. We'll come back to the moment. That's how I want to end today. But let's look at this. John chapter 21, they go out and they're on the, the sea in the ship. Now, these are, these are talented people. They know how to do this. In fact, they're fishing at night. How productive was it? Zero, nothing. Not a fish, not one. Seven guys. It's dawn. It's just breaking sun. Here's this guy about 100 yards away. They don't know who he is. It's obvious. They don't know. In fact, it's interesting. If you find when Jesus pops in on those appearances after the ascension, not just the disciples, they never knew him immediately. Did you notice that? They didn't know him on the road to Emmaus. Mary, she didn't know him at the garden, you know, at the tomb. She didn't know him. All of the appearances, it was not really revealed. So it's something different about him. But here he is, 100 yards away. And it's like, this is, there's two things that Jesus has said every other time that he's met him. He says two things. Don't forget this. It's the same thing to us. Do not be afraid, fear not, and peace be unto you. It's the same message for us today. And I tell you what, I've never seen more fear in a world than I see today and less peace. Is that not true? Yeah. We need Jesus just as much or more than they needed them on that day. Be not afraid, peace be with you. But he didn't start that. He's 100 yards away. They've been fishing all night. They got nothing. And he says, it would be this. Hey, guys, you don't have anything, do you? I'm sure they looked at each other. Who is that? And they responded, No. And then he says the unpardonable to commercial fishermen, but this is where it all tied together. I'm sure they've figured out, I know who this is. Because three years previous, in Luke chapter 5, he, the guy on the outside, they didn't know at all, said, just put your net on the other side of the boat. And they couldn't hardly haul him in, right? This guy says, after all night fishing, he says, put your net on the other side of the boat, on the right side of the boat. Are we supposed to believe that there's been no fish all night long? We've been on both sides of the boat. Now we put the net on the one side of the boat, the guy says, and we're supposed to have fish. Now, how many of us would put the net on the other side of the boat? Now, he could have had the fish jump into the boat. Now, keep in mind, this is Jesus, the Messiah, the risen Lord. He could have had the fish jump into the boat. 
He could do the same thing for you. He could make your life very easy, very comfortable. No, you are involved. They had to obey because that's where love comes from. That was the difference in the garden, wasn't it? Obedience equals love. Now, they made a choice then. <laughs> would have to say there's a little bit of chagrin probably. Well, okay, right? They throw the, throw the net on the other side of the boat, just a boat's width apart from wherever. And I'm convinced that God said, you know what? If you don't want to obey me, there's no fish. There's no fruit. There's no success. That's very true. And all of a sudden, whoosh, full of fish. It even tells us. It's amazing, isn't it? 153 large fish. It says large fish. So let's just call them two-pounders. This is why I know Peter was a weightlifter. Did you read this verse? You got will to go. This guy was tough. It said, you, you, now you guys are down reading. We'll get it in a second. But Peter, I'll think 153 times 2, let's just take 150 times 2, 300 plus pounds of fish plus the nets. That's a haul. Okay? I want to see. Just watch this. Before I trip over that. That's usually not there, but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. No, no, no. It's good. Yeah. It's no problem. No problem. So let's go back to John chapter 21. I'm, I'm somewhere else, but let's go there. So he's just asked them. Children. That's the word in the King James. It would be like guys. It wasn't. No, no brothers. No. You know, you guys are really here because you've disobeyed me. Is that not right? I came to you, and you are outside of my will. I wanted you on the mountain. And it's not going well, is it, guys? <laughs> it says in verse 6, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in from the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, who's that? John. He said unto Peter, that's got to be Jesus. <laughs> it's got to be Jesus. And then Peter, being that one, he's just so impetuous, isn't he? He just does stuff, just takes off, says stuff, does stuff. And he's, you know, he's, he's in work gear, so he's probably just got a, a midsection uh, a tunic on probably. And he's, oh, and he puts on a garment, he jumps out and just goes to find Jesus. Now, that is really cool to me because that tells me something about him. Jesus, I'm sorry, Peter probably is prone to failure, but there's something that's very important here. He loved Jesus a whole, and wanted to be with Jesus a whole lot more than the fish, the career, the money, the wealth. Did you see that? Don't miss that. He loved Jesus because he went to him. You know what? When things are really tough, it's easier for us to go. But how about when things are really good? Do we go to cling to Jesus? That's where he wants us. Do we obey him then? Anyway, he takes off, runs out. Now watch, watch this. The rest of the guys, the other six, Verse 8, the other disciples, it be 6, came, into, it came in a little ship, for they were not far from land. It was about 200 cubits, which is 100 yards, dragging the net with fishes. You can just see it was almost like this overbearing burden of finging all these fish in. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Now, who made that? Jesus did. Jesus did. You know what? Jesus meets all of their needs. He meets all of our needs. Even when we don't even know what we need. <laughs> That's the really important stuff, is when we don't even know what we need. You've had those moments. I've had those moments. 
I've cried out to God. I said, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know how to pray right now. And he knows exactly what it is you need at that moment, at that second. Somebody calls, somebody comes, somebody's on his way, somebody is doing something to put it just perfectly in your way to make you be able to have an opportunity to grow just a little closer to our Savior. And here's Jesus now. They're in the wrong place. They've totally bombed out. They've got no fish. There's no fruit. There's no success. That's not surprising. Write this down. Disobedience equals failure. I said that loudly, but it's true. And when we've failed, our fellowship becomes distant. And he has restoration of all of that, all of that. Here he is. He's he's made them breakfast. Now, I tell you what, I would want Jesus to make me breakfast. (laughs) It was good. (laughs) But it's interesting. Did you see? He said, you need to bring of those fish that you've now just caught. Bring those because we need more than what I've prepared. You're part of what we're offering. Bring that that you've now caught. Now, how did they catch that? Because they obeyed Jesus. Do you see it? Obedience equals success. Obedience equals success. So they're having breakfast. But take a look. After Jesus said, bring up the fish which you have now caught. Now, Peter was so driven to Jesus. Then he says, hey, by the way, guys, bring the fish that you've just caught. What does Peter do? Oh, yeah, i got to go do that, right? Did you? Now, watch this guy. Watch it. He's taking these six in this hole. Just You can just see them. Oh, right? I can't pull this in here. It's really heavy. Watch this. Look at this guy. This is a, this is a beefcake. Verse, verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of the great fishes. He did it by himself. He was a man's man, right? And you, you maybe said, don't, oh, no, it's, that's what it says. <laughs> I mean, I've got a whole different image of Peter after reading that, right? He just drags it up on the shore and then brings some fish and says, here you go, Jesus. Do you see what he's done? His love is on fire right now. When you're willing to obey God at any cost, you will have strength and, and, play, and promises that you didn't even know you could accomplish in God's name because you've given him the choice to do what, I, what, what you want me to do, Lord. Therein lies your strength. That is absolutely true. You will go places, you will go far and away places that you didn't think you could possibly do, things you couldn't possibly even lift when you're trusting God. What a place to be. What a place to be. Now, that doesn't mean, guys, that you can go out and lift 600 pounds or whatever it is just because I'm trusting. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. But it is amazing what he could do, Peter, that is, in all of the other things from this point forward. Have you noticed he's fully engaged with obedience? They show up at Jerusalem. Guess what they do? They wait for Jesus. The Feast, of, the Feast of Pentecost takes place. The church begins. The Holy Spirit comes on them. He's the one that preaches the sermon. 3,000 souls are saved. You think he's loving Jesus? You better believe it. You better believe it. Love is obedience. Disobedience is failure. Amazing what can be accomplished in him. Yes? Why don't I ask a question, Larry? Go ahead. How do you describe Peter? He must have been a big, bronco guy with superpowers that were given to him by believing in Jesus. I'm going to say this, that he certainly was not a wimp. We know this about Peter. Very impetuous. Said a lot of things before he thought about them. I have that gift. 
too, once in a while. We all do, don't we? But one thing he was dedicated. He was dedicated to doing. From this point on, it's amazing. And, and we'll find, if you were going to go to the last day, Jesus even asked, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? After he said that, he said the first time, agape, the most, you know, the, the sacrificial type love. The next two were, do you like me, Peter? <coughs> and he was actually broken by it. Well, Lord, you know, you know me. That's what, Peter, that's what Jesus was getting at. Do you love me more than these? What, what are these? These fish, this career, this wealth, this power, all of the other things. And I'm looking and I'm saying, that's the Peter that changed from this moment on. He's become a new Peter, a new man, because he's trusted Christ. He's obeying him at every level. How much are we like Peter? Let's go back a ways. Let's go, let's go do something. Why, why didn't, why did, let's work this back now. You know, it's clear scripture said, you know, guys, I want, I want you in Galilee. Yeah, they went there. And I want you on a mountain, not, not named for us, but there's a mountain there. And I, I will meet you there. And he told them the mountain. We, it's not like us. We don't know where the mountain is. They know where the mountain is. But they didn't do that. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they do that? What are the two things that Jesus has said that they, he really, don't fear? If you've noticed, the disciples have been behind locked doors after Jesus was crucified. For good reason? Really good reason. Yeah, scared. If they killed our master and they have our number. Exactly. Exactly right. They're next. And then Jesus would come around behind that locked door and, you know, he'd say, first of all, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Peace be unto you. You can just, right? You can just, Jesus is here. You know, he, get, he met every need they had, ever had. He'd meet them at every level they ever, because he's right there. Wouldn't that be a bit worrisome? Now, the Jesus that was there at every time you were there, when he had something to eat, he found it. He made it. Storm is crazy on the sea. He calms it. Do you see? How wouldn't you like to have Jesus with you every day? And he's not there every day. In fact, they told him to go to the mountain, and he's not here. Where's he at? It's the very same thing that literally caused Adam and Eve to sin in the garden. Doubt. Doubt. Does God really love you? Does he really care about you? Did he really commit to not letting you have every tree in the garden? I don't know if that's the God that you can trust. He's used that game and that play for, I'm telling you, countless, countless encounters. They doubted. You know, when I sin, when I fail to obey, you know what? I'm doubting. And I can say with confidence the same thing for you. When we doubt God's word, when we doubt God, we are just completely open to Satan's attacks. Just completely open to his attacks. Let's review. Love equals, this isn't hard, obedience. Disobedience equals failure. He's exactly right. And when we fail, now that's the other thing. There's not a Christian, there's Paul, you think of Paul the Apostle and you just think super saint, right? I mean, he's like the deal. You read Romans chapter 7 sometime and he is dreadfully honest 
I don't do what I should do, and I can't do what I want to do, and I can't, right? He's so amazingly honest. That's not what failure is. Failure is not returning back to our Savior. And I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. There's no way. You're not re-justified. It's very clear in Scripture. You're saved, you're saved. But make sure you're saved. (laughs) Did you place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? By grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. That's what I'm talking about, salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. You're permanent property of God's at that point. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. You're no one else's. You are God's property. But the choices we make can alter our fellowship, our fruitfulness, the things that God wants us to be. And you know what he wants us to be? Each and every one of you here today, he wants you to be just a little bit more like Jesus Christ. Just a little more like Jesus. Just a little more looking like him. A little more humility. A little more softness. A little more mercy. A little more kindness. A little more gentleness. A little more. You get it? Are you getting it? You know how that comes? Through obedience. What do you think John felt after this? I'm sorry, what Peter felt after this. He truly is my Savior. He's forgiven me. He's, he's, He's literally allowing me to trust Him again. You know what Satan wants you to do? I'm done. It's over. I blew it. If there was ever someone that should have had the chance to say, I'm done, I'm blowing it, it would be Peter, the one that in that inner circle, the one that said, I'll never, ever deny you, Jesus. I'm with you to the end. And he did. Felt like a little worm. That's not how Jesus sees it. He loves us more than we loved him. We love him because he loved us. God is love. He proved his love. He sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Ah, Do we have blessings or what? Now, the choice is up to us now, going this forward. Tomorrow, now, you may have even failed today so far. You may even fail later, but it doesn't matter. Who will you trust? Where will you return? What's tomorrow morning, Monday morning, 8 o'clock? You love God? Are you going to obey Him? You better believe it. You better believe it because that's where success, that's where all of the things that God wants you to be and become are wrapped up in that you just need to obey. Don't worry about what can happen. Now, I'll tell you what, if there was someone that should have been concerned about the future, it would have been those disciples. I can't, if you think we as Christians living in America are on a treacherous road, which I think we are, but let's go back to what I said. The very same mission that was given to those disciples, remember what that was? He said to go out on all of the world and make disciples. That's what Transworld Radio is doing. That's what David White is doing. That's what we're all to be doing, literally. And he's told that these seven fishermen, on this occasion, and the 12 to begin with, literally, I'm not going to have you fish for fish. You're going to be fishing for men. And you know what that means? That means literally you are, now if you catch a fish, a live fish, guess those 153 fish, you know what happened to those? They became dead fish. They were alive and they became dead. They caught them. You know when Jesus has you fishing for men, they're dead men floating. And you know how you catch them? With truth the truth, the Word of God. And you know what happens? They become alive. Dead men into live men. Fishers of men catching with truth. God's truth. And that's what Peter really got good at. That's what Transworld Radio is really good at. That's what every one of us, because of the power of the Word of God, 
can be. Now, it's not up to us. No, 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 no. You're not, we're not catching them. That, that's a key component. We're not catching them. The Word of God's truth is what's catching them. That's why it's permanent. You'll never argue someone into the kingdom of God. You've wasted your time and you've wasted that person's time. In fact, you've probably even caused a callus that they'll be harder to reach next time. Let the Word of God do the work with love. He said, how, do you, how can you prove your love? Love one another. Love one another. Isn't that great? All of this should be fruit to our ears just listening. Is, is the Bible relevant? It's fantastically relevant. This fits probably even more so for us today than even for John and, those, John and Peter and those disciples on that day. We're in, a, we're in a mess in this world, a total mess. And Jesus is just as alive. God is just as in control. He's saying the same thing. Do not be afraid. Peace unto you that are mine. I thank God that he's done that. Praise him. Praise him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love that you've proven to us. Thank you that you have allowed us to love you. Father, may we see you clearer than we've ever seen you. The love that was shed abroad on Calvary's tree. Jesus Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one. The one that made the world to die at the hands of those that he literally created in love. The humility that he shared. But Father, thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus' message, even to these disciples. Come and dine. Come and dine. I provided everything you need. Just follow me. That was his final words to Peter on this particular encounter. Do you love me? Three times. And then he said, follow me. It's the same message for us. Are we ready to follow you, Father? I hope so. We cling to you as being the Lord of all, the King of the universe, the great and almighty God, omnipotent, omniscient. To you we bow in praise and adoration. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.